Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want to check out Team Rhino Outdoors, visit our website. That's www.teamrhinooutdoors.com. My co-host tonight is Brad Hoppy with Musky Mayhem Tackle. And you can find out more about Brad's company at muskymayhemtackle.com. Our guest tonight is Nicole King, who is uh, our first kayak angler. And we're happy to have you on. How are you doing tonight, Nicole? Thanks. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. So, Nicole... Uh, typically when we start out, we just looking for a background on the angler, kind of like what you, what got you started in fishing in general, and then specifically what got you into musky fishing. And then with you, you kind of have a unique twist because of the fact that you typically fish out of a kayak. So we'll be able to kind of go over gear and how you selected the kayak and that kind of stuff. So if you could, why don't you just give us the background on you as an angler? Yeah, so I started fishing when I was really young. My dad got me started on panfish, and I also grew up on a small creek that has everything in it from trout, suckers, walleye, smallmouth, northern, and it also has muskie. Um, The older I got and the more independent I got with fishing, I started fishing the creek a lot more, and I fell in love with multi-species all together and I landed a few smaller muskie but back then I never really knew what muskies were how big they could get and then one day in college I was fishing with a friend and I was standing up above them on the rocks and they were working in a jerk bait and I saw the biggest fish I'd ever seen in the creek follow their bait up and I said oh you have one and he told me it was a muskie so I went home and told my dad I was all excited and a couple days later, I said, let's go. I want to catch that fish. So I had a smaller bass rod, probably 10-pound mono on it, a small leader and a Rapala. And I went down there in my first cast. I started twitching it back, and that fish hit. And it instantly snapped my line. But when it broke the line, about the back half of the fish came out, and that red tail... It was probably, we guessed, a 36-inch muskie, and I probably swore more than I have in my entire life in that one moment. My dad was upset because I lost an $8 lure, but that's kind of what sealed the deal for muskie with me. So a couple years later, I finally got my first muskie set up, and my dad and I started fishing my first muskie season, which was about four years ago, and it wasn't in September 3rd of my first musky season when I finally caught my first fish. So we grinded that whole season without seeing anything until that day. And that's kind of one of the reasons I fell in love with musky fishing is the amount of work and the amount of excitement that comes with landing your first fish or any fish for that matter. So after that first season, I went out and bought way too many baits (laughs) and Going into the second season, my dad and I, our schedules don't really line up great. I'm a nurse, and he drives gas trucks. So we were only able to fish probably once or twice a month, and that wasn't enough for me. I had been bitten by the bug. So I started researching getting either my own boat or something smaller, and I decided I would be most comfortable with a kayak. So I started looking for something that would be stable. I was a little nervous. Muskies, they can put up a pretty good fight. I did not want to get tipped out of a smaller kayak. 
And I wanted something that would be hands-free, something I didn't have to paddle. And that led me to the Hobie kayaks. Um, the Hobie Pro Anglers are a kayak you can pedal with your feet, and they're known for being very stable. So I looked at those for probably a half a year before I finally decided to go check them out. And I went and saw them and bought my kayak, and it was right at the beginning of fishing opener. So my first few times out, I targeted bass just to get a feel. And then that first muskie season two years ago, or last year actually, I started targeting muskies. What I look for basically out of my kayak is I stick mostly to shore. I target fish in shallower areas It's and on smaller lakes. It's hard to get the kayak out and target big bodies of water. I also stick to a little bit smaller gear. I have two rods now. They're both eight-foot rods. Anything much bigger is kind of hard to handle sitting down and getting good figure eights. So last year was my first year out of the kayak, and it, I actually landed my personal best, which was my first fish in the kayak, and that was a 47-inch muskie. Before you keep going, Nicole, let's talk a little bit more in depth about how you figure eight out of that. Being that you're sitting like that, that's got to be a challenge right there. And by the way, congrats on that 47-inch fish. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, the figure eighting, it's it's something you definitely have to get used to doing. I do a lot of my fishing sitting down in the kayak, although I do have the ability to stand. It's mostly getting used to what's most comfortable. So I figure eight best I've learned to my right. So I try to fish out of the right side of my kayak if I can. It's a lot of maneuvering, twisting your body. It can be tiresome, and topwaters are probably the hardest that I've found to figure eight with, just keeping them above the water. Sure. But otherwise, it's, it's, still, it's pretty natural to me. It felt natural right away, but it's a lot of practice. It's a lot of trial and error. The hardest part about the figure eights is getting a good hook set in the figure eight. Getting the right leverage is really difficult. And if the fish comes in at a weird angle, trying to step back into fish is not always a, a possibility. Are you, are you finding that you lose quite a few fish doing this? Or is this something that, you know, you feel like you've got it pretty well figured out now? I, I, lose, I lose a lot of fish, especially if they're figure eight bites. And especially on rubber. Rubber, you need that heavy hook set. And sometimes if they're biting in the eight... And you go to set that hook, that kayak's moving a lot, and you don't get the right amount of lev leverage all the time. That makes sense. You know, it, it's kind of crazy. All of a sudden, I'm starting to think, Jeff, back to the podcast with Ben Olson and talking about fly fishing for muskies. Um, that's another whole element that makes things tougher. Now we're talking about kayaks and how, how much more that, you know, that's another challenge, really. Why do all these people want to make this even harder than they need to, Brad? <laughs> uh, Nicole better answer that question. <laughs> it's all about that chase. It's the chase and everything in the kayak, it's right there. It's in the boat, it's right at your feet. In the kayak, they're level with you. So there's even that level of, of adrenaline. And I find myself, I think, 
I'm my biggest worst enemy sometimes when I see a fish following in or coming into the eight because it's so close and it's right there. I get so excited. And sometimes I that adrenaline rush makes me do not the smartest things. <laughs> have you landed in the water? I have fallen out of the kayak once and it was actually landing a bass. <laughs> it was my my personal best bass this spring pre-spawn yep i i netted her and got all excited and i leaned over to grab her out of the net and i did not offset my balance so the kayak started to tip and i'm clumsy and i fell right out That's awesome. um, thankfully i'm a pretty decent swimmer and i had my life jacket on it's a manual i didn't have to engage it so I swam the kayak to shore because I was almost losing my rod. The fish was trying to take it. I made it. <laughs> my day was called early. Fun, though. That's yeah. Good it's, it's, a good it's a good story for sure. I just hope it never happens with a muskie because I would not want to get bit in the process of trying to get back in or swimming back to shore with that big of a fish on. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about the layout of the kayak. So how long is the total length of the kayak? So I have a 12-foot kayak. Starting with the front, it has a really big hatch, so I can store a lot of gear in there. I usually keep extra food, snacks, um, dry clothes, first aid kit. That pretty much all is in the front of my kayak. I do have a Lowrance on it, so I finally got a fish finder put on this year, and that's made a world of difference. The only regret I have is not getting one with side imaging. And then I have a hatch right at my feet. I usually keep extra release tools in there. Once I get out on the water, all my release tools kind of sit right next to my seat, so they're ready for anything. I also have my pedal drive system, so my kayak, I pedal with my feet. That's kind of in the front. And I also keep my bump board in the front of the kayak as well. And then I have a large area behind me that I can fit my Lakewood box. And this time of the year, I'm putting a sucker tank back there. So I'm bringing live bait with me and then condensing my fall baits into like three boxes that can fit under my seat. And then in the back of my kayak, I have paddle holders on each side. So I bring half a paddle with me. And my net fits in the other one. So I have everything kind of within arm's reach. Pretty incredible. I mean, I'm trying to envision the layout from the way it sounds. Everything's kind of got its place, just like any other normal boat. Mm -hmm. How about for your depth finder? I mean, is it a permanent mount or is it a mount that you, for the transducer I'm talking? The transducer actually mounts right inside the bottom of the kayak. The Hobies are Lowrance ready, so... They fit perfect. You can get adjustment mounts for other brands like Hummingbird or Garmin, but I went with Lowrance just because it was Lowrance ready. And I can move my my screen anywhere along. There's two bars on the side of the kayak that you can put different attachments on, so I can move my screen around wherever is easiest. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a pretty cool setup you got there. Yeah, it's it's very handy people out on the lake are usually surprised by it especially when they hear I'm fishing for muskies out of it it's most comfortable for me I know I would not be comfortable in a boat by myself just at this point in my life I don't want to have to back a trailer in (laughs) 
I don't want to have to deal with motor issues. This one, it's just self-powered. If I get tired, I take a break. I'm good to go. Sometimes I can troll with it if I'm trolling at a little bit slower speed. So if you don't mind us asking, what does what does a kayak of of like similar to the one you have cost wise there the hobies are expensive um mine was around probably three thousand plus and i have the smaller of the pro anglers they have a 14 and they actually came out with a brand new uh pedal drive system on their new kayaks they're releasing for next year so those are going to be even more so they're the price of a boat a smaller boat (laughs) yeah they are but I mean, you don't have all the issues with motors and, you know, whatnot going on with them. I mean, so $3,000 to get you out on the water is, you know, it's a, I mean, yeah, it's not a cheap investment, but right. it's certainly something that a lot of people could, could manage cost-wise. Yeah, and I bought a truck just so I could haul my kayak. So when we look at it that way, I have a lot invested into musky fishing right now bought a kayak and a truck just to haul it with. So do you pretty much just slide the kayak into the back of the, into the back of the truck? Yep. It fits right in the bed of the truck. I have a wheel system for my kayak that goes up the scupper holes. So if I put my kayak on that kind of like a teeter totter, the back comes level with the back of my truck. So it's really easy to get it in. So it's definitely something that you could do solo with no problem. Oh yes. Yep. The biggest issue I could see with it is If you're fishing a lake with a really steep boat launch, that can be kind of cumbersome hauling the kayak up or trying to load it on an incline like that. Uh, Otherwise, it's not too bad. I can envision Brad chasing his kayak down the ramp. That'd be pretty funny to watch. Uh, I've I've been in a kayak, but I think the kayak that I was in was a lot uh, smaller or Width-wise, it was smaller, and it was super, super tippy. I've always thought about, you know, exploring some of these other kayaks, not only for fishing, but for the simple fact of duck hunting or whatever. But, you know, they've they've come out with so many different ones. I mean, that's maybe a challenge for most of the people that are even thinking about buying a, uh, a kayak. You know, where do you start? How do you choose which one you really want or need? Yeah, and they're, every year they're coming out with, similar kayaks with the pedal drive systems and they're wider for more stability. So there is a ton of options out there. And the best thing for people to do if they have the chance is to go out and just test them. A lot of the boat dealers will either have demo days or some of them are close to water where you can just go out and demo a few different kinds of kayaks to see what the best fit is for some people. That makes sense. What do you think about the pedal drive system? I mean, how much effort does it actually take, Nicole? It doesn't take much. Um, I did need to build up a little bit of muscle for it just because I was not fit for it. But now that I've done it for the second year, it's it's simple. It's just like pedaling a bike for the most part. Okay, that makes sense. I just I've seen it, but I haven't like really looked at it. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I just never explored that whole deal. So Yeah. And I'm I've only been in a Hobie, so I can't speak for the other pedal drive systems. Uh but from what I hear from friends that have them, they're all pretty similar and easy to pedal. Sure. So Brad, I'm curious, how would that fall under the rules for uh, trolling? If you're pedaling, can you troll like up in northern Wisconsin? Can you troll three lines out of it because you're pedaling it instead of just one line because you have a motor? 
Man, I would sure assume so. I mean, have you checked into that, Nicole? I mean, you do some fishing in northern Wisconsin, correct? Yep. I ha- I have only ever trolled one line out of it, and it's difficult to keep. The fastest I can go is 3.5 miles per hour for a decent amount of time, but I don't know how it would work with more than one line with musky baits anyways. You need to start exploring. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I like casting. I prefer casting. <laughs> I'll stick to that. Yeah. My assumption is it would probably work similar to my road trolling boat back when I was road trolling. It's probably about the same. It's probably a little smaller. I think my road trolling boat's like 13 feet maybe, but it was the same. It's the same kind of setup. To troll multiple lines out of a road trolling boat is definitely difficult. You kind of need to get up to speed and then start letting out your line. And then I would always run a planer board too. And I would just kind of let the planer board, you'd have to just, you'd have to just spend a lot of effort trying to get your lines out. And then when you wanted to go check and, and, you know, check out reeling stuff in and check your lines, check for weeds. It was, it was a lot of effort. I definitely know that. Yeah. And if you got a fish on and had to deal with other lines so they wouldn't tangle, that would be, yeah, I can't imagine that being too easy. If you can fish out of a kayak, I'd imagine you'd be able to handle that too. I'm sure with some trial and error and practice, it would be feasible. Yep, I would imagine. I think what we should do is just jump in and let uh, let Jeff row, and uh, <laughs> I'll just check lines every once in a while for you, Jeff. That's- yeah, I don't think it'd be like the same kind of deal we're running in Minnesota trolling with you, Brad. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, there won't be any mass systems out of the road troller. No, probably not. Although technically, if you jump in, then I have an extra rower, and we could because it had dual <laughs> oar locks on it, so then that would help out, right? Do you still have that boat? Heck yeah, I have it. Awesome. I'm never going to cool. use it, but <laughs> it's way too much work. <laughs> well, you never know. I spent about an entire season row trolling, and I got I got fish row trolling. It does work, but it's a lot it's a lot of effort there's no doubt it's way easier just to stand up in a boat and cast that's for sure like you can about imagine it's interesting though it's interesting stuff i think it's cool the the history side of everything is always really cool so yeah mine you had to use a trailer though you weren't going to throw that thing in the back of the boat it was a little too heavy for that the kayak thing seems kind of interesting for like i think i should just skip the jet boat brad and just go right to a kayak sounds a lot cheaper for one and i, <laughs> and I can get into just about any water that i want to get in so that's the neat part. I think um, you've probably explored some different stuff, Nicole, that maybe some of us can't get to, really. I mean, you can pretty pretty much go anywhere with a kayak. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I I love it. I wish I could do river trips a little bit easier. The only downfall with river trips is if you don't go with someone. The jet boats, you can just jet right back up to the boat launch. The kayak, you're going to have to get off find a ride, and then go back and load everything. That's one area I'd like to explore the most, though, or explore more, and probably next year's rivers and trying to figure out those a little bit better. I suppose you could run it like a drift trip, though. Have somebody, or I'm assuming you have other people that you're fishing with out of a kayak. You could uh, have a pickup truck at the one end and then drop off at the other so that you can just drift and then pick back up and go get the other vehicle. Yeah, that's how I've done it before with my friends when we've floated the river. I've always done it with somebody else. I've never done it solo. Sure. You're 
expelling a ton of different energies that uh, I think the normal angler doesn't have to even think about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just in that sense, to me, it's kind of a neat little deal. It really is. It's unique, yeah. and I'm going to guess when you get a fish on, you're going to get towed around a little bit. Um, a little bit. Gonna, yeah, exactly. So how about landing fish? Let's talk about that. Um, landing them, it's it's difficult, but it's definitely doable. Um, I usually find myself sweet-talking the fish into the net more often than not. You're using your one arm, just holding that rod up as high as you can and praying that fish doesn't fight too hard going into the net. I haven't, I've only lost one with a net issue and the fish had swam into the side of the net and the hooks got hooked on the outside of the net. And unfortunately, I could not roll that net around to get her in. But that was my only netting issue I've had so far. And what what net are you using, Nicole? I might have missed oh. Uh, I honestly don't even know the name of it. It is my dad's musky net that he has had for ages and ages. The nice thing about it is it's lightweight. Um, I think if I had one of the really heavy nets, that would be almost impossible. And it floats, thankfully, because I have dumped it out of the kayak a couple times. <laughs> yeah, we had an incident in June where we ended up losing a nice net. Um, so it happens in the big boats as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, that's a valid point. Um, floating nets would be nice. Yeah, this one's nice. I want to upgrade to a little bit bigger net. Hopefully next year I just need to find the right option for a lightweight net. That's going to be big enough. The most lightweight net I've ever found is the Joe Booker Conservation Series net by Frable. That's what I always ran when I was solo in the row troller because it, was, it would cut through the water really good. The only downfall is... I don't believe the bag was coated, so those fish would just wrap up so tight. Sometimes you spent way too long trying to fart around with getting them, you know, unwrapped, and that was, I didn't really like that yeah. part about it. But as far as, like, lightweight, you could, I mean, you could easily net them with one hand. It was a really nice net that way, but I didn't like the, I didn't like the bag on it. So it's it's around somewhere. I don't know where it's at. Retired with the row troller underneath the, underneath the uh, deck in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> That's where, that's where you keep it? <laughs> that's literally where it is. It's upside down underneath the deck in the backyard. Funny. <laughs> well, I had to store it somewhere, Brad, because TRO took over all my other areas. I was running out of room. That's good problems, Jeff. Is it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh. So, Nicole, let's talk a little bit about bow control. So, obviously, you have a, you have a fish locator this year, and now you're yep. trying to work contour lines and whatever. Yeah. Do you do you just have like a slow speed you kind of move you know pedal at and then how how much of an issue is wind? I'm assuming it'd be definitely a pretty big issue. Wind is the biggest issue I probably have out on the water is when it's windy. Otherwise, uh, the nice thing about the kayak and the bigger musky baits, you can control your direction with your bait. So when I go into the figure eight, if I power into one turn a little bit more than the other, I can keep my kayak straight. Or if I need to turn my kayak quick, instead of pedaling with my feet and using my rudder, I can just spin the bait kind of like a figure eight around the kayak and it'll turn me. That can also be a problem though, too, working bigger baits like big rubber when you're pulling them it's going to constantly pull your kayak to one direction or the other 
it's a twofold. It's helpful in some sense, not helpful in others. If it's very windy out, I, that's when I stick to my shoreline fishing. If it's a little windy, sometimes I use that to my advantage so I can stand and fish and just let the wind do all the work pushing me down a shoreline. So it's all kind of twofold. You use it to the best that you can. So when we're talking big rubber, I'm assuming you're talking more like mag dogs, regular size medusas, and you're not exactly throwing pounders out of this thing, I'm I'm assuming. No, no pounders, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Regular medusas, regular bulldogs, and then red October tubes are pretty much the biggest I'll go to for big baits. I could see that being more than enough. So I got to ask, has your dad, since he got you into this whole gig, has he stepped up to the plate and got a kayak? No, he's thought about it, and I'm very shocked that I even got him to consider it. Uh, He's thought about it, but we've decided if we're going to get anything else, it will probably be a canoe, because I know he will never go out solo musky fishing in a kayak. Right, right. Brad, I thought you were going to say, has he ever, has he stepped up and apologized for ruining your life? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was the direction you were going with that. That's a different topic. <laughs> he might he might regret actually getting me into it because the day I told him the kayak I was getting, he got a little sick to his stomach. <laughs> he was not happy with me, but he's seen how much I use it and how happy it makes me to be out and go out on my own, and so he's happy with the decision now. Well, I have an eight year old daughter. Jeff isn't far behind me on that. You know. It's pretty amazing. One of the things that kind of struck me when we first started talking was, as you said, the reason I've been into fishing is because of my dad. And Mm -hmm. um, my daughter was able to catch her first muskie. um, I believe she was five when she caught her first two muskies. And so, you know, as a five-year-old, I probably poisoned her already. (laughs) She spends quite a bit of time on the water with me, actually. I mean, uh, in the spring, the month of June, I'm doing a ton of open water trolling. She will a lot of times be in the boat with me um, when I'm guiding. And basically, one more person in the boat allows us another line. And, and she's unbelievable. For an 8-year-old, 7-year-old, she will stick it out in the boat for 14, 16 hours a day. So it's not every day, but she'll do two, three days in a row like that and then kind of slip out of it for a couple of days and then she's ready to go again. But I'm guessing I'm uh, ruining a little person's life, put it that way. <laughs> it's amazing, though, and more kids need to be getting out and doing that stuff instead of sitting inside on video games or whatnot all the time. It's nice to see kids outdoors more. I would certainly agree. Brad, I know the feeling. I ruined my daughter's life when she was like nine, and then I ruined it again this this summer, taking her out casting. She really wanted to catch fish casting, so I did that. I think there's a chance for anybody anybody that cares, today is, I think it's the 13th. Is today the 13th? It is. 13th yep. of October when we're, when we're recording this. Some people some people have always said, like, if you could mention the date. So there, it's the 13th of October, Sunday night. So we got an upcoming event at Treelands. I'm still deciding whether or not I'm going to take her with me because she has to miss school. It was easy this summer when we went on trips because obviously she didn't have school. But I kind of wanted her to maybe come up this weekend and just hang out at Treelands because there's an event at Treelands. By the time you listen to this, it'll have been over. Nicole's got an event uh, through Deerfoot, both on the Chippewa Flowage this, this coming weekend. But I want to take her with Brad, and I don't know if I should let her skip school or not because then I'm kind of prioritizing fishing over school, and I definitely don't do that. No, I hear you, Jeff, but at the same time, um, 
some of these life experiences are they're important i don't know you know we've taken mika everywhere it's interesting when you talk to some of the different school teachers and what have you they'll support it as well and basically say you know as long as she's up to speed in school and she's doing the right things in school they're like more power to you get her out and let her see the world so i mean there's two ways to look at it really yeah the up to par in school that part's not too much of an issue i think she's smarter than me it doesn't say much but i think she still is (laughs) I know my daughter's smarter than me. <laughs> uh, that's all good, though. I, I, you know what? It's all about life experiences, in my opinion. So take her away. I don't mean to put Nicole out for a second, but speaking of your family, where the heck is your wife? Like, we haven't seen her on a podcast in, I don't know how many episodes, seven, eight episodes, I'm guessing, something like that. Is she, did she quit on us? I'm not really sure what to say there. Um, we've been busy, you know, we had a lot of different things going on. I mean, literally I ran in the house here. Um, we just got back from bow hunting tonight. Both Terry and I are bow hunters. We ran into the house quick, got Mika in the shower and she took a shower and I literally came downstairs and, and started on the podcast. So I think, uh, it's just timing. I think is what it amounts to Jeff. So she might come back out of retirement this winter. I would sure hope so. I think I think she adds something that uh, me and you can't. Brains? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to insult myself, but okay, I'll agree. Uh, I'll do it for you. <laughs> All right, so we should probably change topics. Less about Carrie, your family, more about what Nicole's doing in a kayak. For sure. So I fished my first tournament out of the kayak this year. It was a Musties Inc. tournament up in the Holcomb area, and... Should have had four fish the very first day. Unfortunately, the first three all got dumped in the figure eight right by the kayak. But managed to catch one. Um, My boyfriend that I was fishing with was also kayak fishing. He landed two in the tournament. I tainted him this year. I convinced him to buy a fishing kayak. I bought him everything he needed to get into kayak musky fishing. And now he's addicted. He's probably more addicted than I am. (laughs) It was a fun experience to fish that first tournament. Really rewarding to move so many fish the first day. I think in the kayak, it's just always a little bit sweeter too versus a boat. Because like you said earlier, you're putting all that extra work in. You're controlling the boat. You're moving it with your own body strength. Everything's happening right next to you. When it all comes together, it's it's really something. Yeah, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you. I feel a little bit bad for your boyfriend. Why does everybody think they need to go around spreading this muscle <laughs> bug to other people? It's just, like they should just keep it to themselves. Yeah, I I I got I bought everything for him and took him out, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna hate this. He's gonna hate it so much. But he surprised me. He caught a, his first muskie our very first time out. And that sealed the deal for him. And it was even sweeter for him because it was on top water. So it's everybody's dream for a first fish, I would think, a good top water bite. But So let's talk a little bit more about the tournament. I'm assuming you're fishing against other people in boats also? Yeah, I'm not sure of anybody else that fished it out of a kayak this year. But I know they have in the past. So, yeah, that I mean, that's something else right there. You're kind of... I want to say you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, but you might be slightly just based on the fact of the difficult or how difficult it is to land one in a kayak. 
I would say that, you know, fishing the tournament that way is probably tougher. Yeah. Is it a team? Is it a team effort or is it a single effort? Well, how did that work out? Single effort for that tournament. Um, you do have to have a witness. So they kind of encourage boat partners. In this instance, I had him kayak fishing with me so we could be each other's witness. But otherwise, it's just solo. No team points. So then did he have to like kayak up ne- or did he have to like paddle up next to you and then try to net your fish or did, did you try to net him yourself? Cause I'm assuming the people that had two people in their boat, the other partner could net for the, for the one partner. Is that right? Yep. So I netted my own fish and then I net, I netted his fish for him. So I would just paddle up alongside of him and net them for him. Cause I had the net in my kayak. Nice. So it, it got interesting a couple times we did have one kind of wrap the fishing line around a rudder but if we got it in the net good and was able to get good measurements and get the fish back in the water so i mean the neat thing about this kayak is you're probably pretty stealthy i mean probably stealthier than just an electric electric yeah. towing motor so do you find that you can sneak up on these fish like say there's a musky sunning itself up on some sand or a rock pile or what have you. Do you visually see them a lot of times before you actually are casting on them? I've only seen a couple visually, and this was like the beginning of the season. They were up shallow in weeds, and they never bit. They weren't really interested in any of the baits I threw at them. But I do think the quietness of the kayak does make a difference versus a trolling motor. The amount of fish I've seen or get follows or have them even just swim past me is way more than I've ever seen when I've been out fishing in a boat. And I'm not sure if it's just luck or if it really is the sound difference. I know fish will eat in the front of a boat with a trolling motor going, but I think being, being quiet does help. For sure. Did you say how wide your kayak is? Do you know the measurement on it? I think it's about 36 inches. Wow, that is wide. And th- this was the very first one you've owned, right? I mean, you didn't yep. have there before that. I was just curious. And I've never been in that wide of kayak. Have you, Jeff? No, I've never actually been in a kayak ever in my life. Oh, really? Okay. No, fat guys don't like kayaks very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know it firsthand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, one of the kayaks that I was thinking about was, and I'm not sure if you've ever seen one, Nicole, but you pull two levers and two like arms whip, you know, they Y out to give it more of a stance on the water. Have you oh, seen yeah. those at all? Yep, I think I've seen them before. Um, the kind of like the buoys on the sides or just two arms? There's like two arms that widen the stance of the kayak, and mm. it's supposed to create stability. I was just curious about that. How about color? What color is your kayak? So, mm. I mean, my kayak is a really light color, like a sand dune color. Okay. I do almost regret getting that color. They do have a dark camel color that I think if I do upgrade kayaks in the next year or two, it would end up getting. I would neutral colors like what you're talking would benefit you. I can't imagine having like a bright yellow, white, or red. Um, I just know from past experience, like wearing a red ranger jacket, any quick movement in the boat on a figure eight fish, you're busted and that fish is going to take off. So I've always thought neutral colors, both in your boat, plus your whatever attire you're wearing. So I was just curious about that as well. Yeah, I... 
I think my kayak's a little too light. I, I haven't had too many fish spook, but I've had a lot of fish turn off in the eight and just kind of ignore my baits. And I don't know if it's a boat thing or a bait thing or they didn't like what I did. Looking it's just, forward. It's just them dirty muskies being dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Break or, us down. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, it's cool stuff. You want to talk about fall? How late in the fall do you end up fishing out of this kayak? Because obviously I would think potentially there's some danger to you if you fall out of the kayak when water temperatures are too low, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, that is something I've considered. The latest I fished last year that I can remember was the end of October. Depending on how this weather keeps continuing, if it's going to keep staying this cold out, I might be calling it early again just in case something were to happen, falling out would not be ideal. I'm wearing my, I have striker bibs though that float. So if I did fall, my PFD and my striker bibs would keep me above water. And the fact that I fish small bodies of water, I would hopefully be able to make it back to the launch and get in my truck and warm up. But yeah, with water temps dropping as fast as they, as they have been lately, I'm not sure how much longer I'll stay out for. They do make dry suits, I believe. That's what they're called that you can wear, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to take it to that level. No, I, I could see that. I, I think it was a good call, just that striker suit. I, I am aware of what a striker suit is. They have a great, great product, so that's probably a really cool idea. Um, and I, I don't know that that's a bad idea for anybody fishing out of a real boat as well. Yeah, but those boat accidents can happen to anyone anytime, so... Just having all that safety stuff is crucial. Well, I think a lot of those float suits and striker suits, those things have gotten really popular with the ice fishing crowd, haven't they, Brad? They have, yeah. I mean, I think that's where striker originated. But um, you see a lot of guys wearing the striker suits when they're layout boat hunting, um, which is another activity I do. They're a great product. Um, there's flotation in them. So something to definitely consider, especially in late fall fishing. I know a, a good friend of mine, was on Lake Vermilion, I don't know how many years ago, it was quite a while ago. His buddy hooks a fish, and it's a good fish, and it's late November, mid mid to late November, super cold water. And as he's reaching out to net the fish, his boot slipped on one of the buckles inside the boat. And when that happened, he ended up literally headfirst in the lake. He then <laughs> proceeded in like going to the back of the boat to try to get in the boat and literally could not go up his little ladders. I mean, they, they have the emergency ladders on the back of most of the boats nowadays. Could not do it because of how much clothing he had on. He had the a clam suit on, basically the clam ice fishing suit that were, you know, similar to the striker. Because of that much bulk on, he really was, he was riding high in the water. He was floating, but he could not get his legs up on that ladder. So he bear hugged the motor and trimmed himself back in um, with the help of his buddy. But, you know, things happen really, really quick. And when it's that cold, he's got to be aware. There's no doubt about it. Fortunately for him, he really didn't take on that much water. He had a little bit of water at his wrist. Um, I think a little bit on his neck. Otherwise, for the most part, he stayed perfectly dry. So they did run back to the to the cabin and did some changes of clothing. But 
all in all, it turned out really well, but it could have been really ugly. Yeah, that's no doubt about that. I always worried about that when I was fishing late fall on rivers. I was not only was I worried about the uh, about the current, but I was also worried about the water temperatures. So it was definitely two different dangers that I had there that I was concerned about. Like a lot of guys want to fish right below the dams, but I man, I just figure if you're not safe, you're if you fall in, you're you're pretty much done. Yeah, you're toast. Yep. That's uh, that's my concern about that's my one concern about late fall fishing. Yeah, especially those rivers. Any current, if it pulls your boat or kayak into trees or any rocks, anything like that, then it can get. Yeah, it's especially nasty with a boat. I imagine it's downright crazy to do it with a do it in a kayak. You know, anything anything happens, this could be trouble. Yeah, you have to approach those in the river, the high flow areas with some caution just because they can spin you around. And my friend and I did a lot of canoeing in the river too. And in the canoes, you have to watch because they're a little bit more tippy sometimes. And You're basically saying that a canoe is probably tippier than, uh, than the kayak that you're currently using? I, I think it is. Unless you have a really big canoe, then I feel like I feel like my kayak's more stable than the canoe. No, that's interesting. That's cool to know. Again, Brad, I think I'd probably relate it back to the road trolling boat. I think my road troller was probably roughly 40, 42 inch beam on it. So I'm assuming her her kayak is probably about as stable. I mean, you said you can stand up in it if you wanted to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I stand and fish, and I can actually work the pedal system with my shins because my pedal system is just a back-and-forth motion. So I can use my shins to pedal it if I need to to get a little bit of distance. So standing is easy. Hook Hooking or, like, setting the hook standing is a lot easier standing also than sitting. But I find myself most comfortable sitting and casting to keep boat control. That all makes sense. Is there um, some way that people can get a hold of you if they have questions? Um, my Facebook is Nicole Lynn Outdoors, and then Instagram is Nicole Lynn underscore Outdoors. Okay. So if there's any questions, people can reach out there. I have some videos of landing fish on my Instagram as well, so you can kind of see how I go about netting that. So do you have some videos actually like uh videos that you've uh that you put out there just based on all of this i mean where you're educating as well um most of the only videos i have on right now are just um, catching a few muskies i think i have three musky catches on video right now but otherwise that's the furthest i've gotten with posting videos i've contemplated doing the youtube scene but that's just a lot of that's a lot of extra work I don't know if I'm really ready to put into yet. Yeah, there's no doubt Jeff can answer that question. <laughs> he plays in that realm as well. It's a little bit of work. Yeah, full-time job, and I don't have a whole lot of editing experience. so uh, You can get over that real fast. <laughs> I don't have a lot either, but that's what YouTube's for. Yeah, exactly. Go to YouTube to learn how to YouTube. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> That's what I had to do. So, Nicole, if you could offer a couple people some tips on how to get started, like maybe like maybe where you go to pick out a kayak or if there's some resources you used online to help pick out a kayak, what what uh, what can you offer up to the listeners if they're interested in chasing muskies out of a kayak? I did a ton of watching YouTube videos, other people fishing out of kayaks, 
a lot of like kayak overviews. I ended up going to Zacco's in Chippewa Falls to pick out my kayak. Unfortunately, they don't carry kayaks anymore. So I know High Tempo in Minnesota carries Hobies and is a dealer. Shields is supposed to start carrying Hobie kayaks. I know they carry some Outbacks as well. The biggest thing is looking at what type of species you want to target and what type of water you're going to be fishing. Muskies, that's why I wanted a very stable kayak. I knew I wanted to be able to stand. If you're just bass fishing or pan fishing, you can get away with a smaller kayak, maybe not one you really need to stand in as often. And then looking at what safety gear you need. I went with a manual PFD just because I knew I fished smaller lakes. Odds of me falling out, even though it happened once, (laughs) or anything happening was probably smaller than if I was fishing really big lakes such as Vermilion or one of the Great Lakes. If you're fishing bigger water, you might want to go with a foam PFD just so if you do fall in, something happens, it's autom- you're automatically going to be floating. You don't have to worry about pulling cord. And then just demoing. Demoing kayaks whenever you can. I don't know a lot of boat companies off the top of my head, but I'm sure we're searching anywhere I think we lost her completely. Yes, you're back. I'm not sure where I cut out. Demoing. Dem- yeah, I don't know where I'll demo, where you can demo off the top of my head, but I'm sure searching online, if you can find somewhere where you can demo, demo as many kayaks as you can to find your best fit. Awesome. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming out to give us a little insight on talking about kayaks. Um, and, and chasing muskies. Yeah, thanks again for having me. So, Brad, do you want a quick talk about muskie mayhem tackle for a minute? Sure, I can sure do that. Um, we're the originators of the big-bladed flashaboo bucktails, and you can look us up on muskymayhemtackle.com, or you can check us out on Instagram or Facebook, muskie mayhem tackle. So, love to hear from you. Love to see pics, anything like that, and hopefully check it out. And this is Backlash Podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Those are our primary social sources. You can also find us um, almost everywhere that you want to listen to a podcast. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Outcast, TuneIn Radio, Podbean. I think that's pretty much covers it. If you want to get in touch with us, you can use our, our email. That's backlashpodcast at gmail.com. The company I'm in charge of is Team Rhino Outdoors. We are a generally a custom lure manufacturer, or re, not a manufacturer, a retailer. We sell most of the major manufacturers in the musky world. And as of you know, this year, we've started to dabble more in your standard colors as well as custom colors. But we definitely focus more on the custom colors. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. YouTube, new, we put out new content every single Sunday night at 6 p.m. during what I will consider to be the musky season, June through December. So, Nicole, you want to hit up your um, your Facebook and your Instagram stuff in case somebody has, they want to check out your your Instagram. I know you catch enough muskies out of a kayak or enough bass out of a kayak or whatever you're chasing that day. And maybe if they have any questions, they can get in touch with you through an instant messenger or direct messenger on there. Yep. So, my Facebook is Nicole Lynn Outdoors, and then my Instagram is is at Nicole Lynn underscore outdoors. And both of them are public. If they need to send a message or a question, I'll get them on there. 
Perfect. Well, once again, we thank you for coming out and enlightening us on chasing muskies out of a kayak. We haven't ever had anybody chasing them out of small boats, and we really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to talk to us about it. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nicole. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, everybody, for listening this week. Have a good day.